Let's go back to where we left off last week. It's really these truths are building on each other. For those that are visiting, we've been working our way through the book of Romans. Uh, what a great book this has been. And uh, we, we finished off last week Romans 5, 15 through 21. And let me just summarize that as we, and I summarized it in your, in your bulletin this morning too, but let me just remind you where we left off. But if you remember the comparison here, was it stopped in the text and it was saying, let's compare what we lost in the first Adam to what we gained in the, in the last Adam, Jesus Christ. And, and what we saw was that what was the, who remembers the title? What was the big word that described this whole thing? Much more. Much more. We gained much more through the last Adam than we lost through the first Adam. Now, the things that we know that, that, we, uh, that we gained in, in, the, in the last Adam, of course, he defeated death. Through the first Adam, sin came into the world, and with sin, death. And through the last Adams, death and sin were both defeated. We also know in the last Adam that there was a way of salvation provided. We know that when he f- defeated sin and death, that Satan himself was de- defeated by the last Adam. But we said that's great, but it was much more than all those things because in addition to that, he gave us an abundant life. See, he didn't just put us back in the garden into a sinless state. And by the way, if we were back in that garden and that tree, the forbidden tree was there, what would happen? We'd have reruns. Right? We'd have to start all over again because someone, probably me, would take one of those pieces of fruit and we'd have to start all over. But he doesn't do reruns. So he gave us an abundant life. He put the Holy Spirit to live within us. And then he called us to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ for all the days we remain. And in the meantime, he's going to prepare a place for us in paradise. It's a different paradise than Adam and Eve had because we'll be living in the presence of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So you see what we lost in the first Adam, we gained much more with, with the last Adam. We saw that through Adam, you know, that God, the Father, hated sin, but he loved the sinner more than he hated sin, so he sent his son. We saw that there was a reign of death that came in through Adam, but much more we gained the reign of life through the last Adam. We were made sinners through the first Adam. We were made righteous through Jesus Christ. And then we ended up with this last one, which was that sin increased through this fallen world, but grace increased all the more, much more through the last Adam, than we lost through the first Adam. So if you would, open your Bibles. We're going to pick up uh, in verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 1. We'll see if we can work our way through 14 today. 6, 1 through 14. And our brother Nolan is going to read the word for us this morning. Please stand as we read God's word. What what then shall we say? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. 
because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Romans 6, 1 through 14. Amen. Praise God for giving us his word. Amen. Thank you, Nolan. Appreciate it, brother. Now, I would say that today, I, I think we're going to cover one of the most significant truths in all of Scripture. And dead to sin and alive in Christ. And I say that because, of course, those that are lost are still dead in sin, but even those that are alive in Christ, I find so many that are living in between. That's what I want to talk about today. They're not really living a free and victorious life. So this is why I think this is one of the, the most important truths we could talk about here in, in the Oasis. So let, let's look at this. It's, um, I'll start with verse 1 up here, which is, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Now you have to remember where he ended last week, where we ended in verse 20, verse B was, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Okay, now you've got to picture this with me. I'm going to give you a visualization. But, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Now this, is, this letter that was written uh, to the Roman church by Paul was being received by predominantly Gentiles, but also we've got to realize there's a nucleus of Jews within this church. So when they would read that verse, you can imagine there was some, a lot of turmoil in the church when that, when that verse was read. But as sin increased, grace increased all the more. So, you know, let me tell you what, what would be happening probably to a lot of these believers. is The Gentiles would say, Amen, we can continue in a lot of our sinful patterns in our life. We don't have to give up all of our idols. We can continue to go to those feasts that were full of sin. Because as we act this out, the grace increases and God gets the glory in our sinfulness. So that's one group, how they might interpret that verse. Now the other group, the Jews, who Paul was one of, would say, are you kidding me? Are you saying that the law, the Mosaic law, is meaningless? That it, there has no bearing in our life? We don't have to follow any of the truth that God's laid out in His Word from now on? We can just go around and sin and really just by this sinning, supposedly this is an act of worship to God? Can you see how these people would be receiving that? So Paul right here stops and he has to clarify exactly what this truth means. And I'm telling you, this is a, this is a really important truth that we get a hold of as believers. Because what does it mean that we died to sin and that we're now living in Christ? So, you know, what else is interesting to me is 
don't we still have these two groups today? Don't we have liberals and legalists? Don't you see them in the world today? You know, Mary and I were in a church, and um, it was a very good church. We got saved in this church, and it was really balanced in grace and truth. But it, it, it slowly, as a new pastor came in, it slowly was transformed into liberalism. And, you know, I was leading the men's ministry at the time, and I'd go talk to the pastor. I said, hey, there's sin going on in the camp here. We've got to talk about this. He said, ah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. They'll be okay. And really, they just turned their eye away from, from sin in this church. And because of that, sin just propagated itself within the church. It, it, it manifested itself in so many ways. And nobody was getting lovingly confronted in a Matthew 18 way of talking to them about the sin in their life. And the church really has fallen apart. The pastor eventually got divorced from his own wife and got remarried. But then we went to another church, so that's one camp of people that don't even want to talk about sin. I'm okay, you're okay, don't be judge, you're judging me with, with the truth. And, and, but the reality is there's a place in the middle that we need to live. Now this other church we went to started off balancing grace and truth, and it went to legalism. And it seemed like every time I was in this church there was a witch hunt. They were looking for sinners and they wanted to confront them as quickly as they could. They were even confronting sinners from the pulpit, not one-on-one, but from the pulpit calling people out. Awful. Awful. So the reality is we look at these two worlds of the Gentiles and the Jews, the legalists and the liberals, we live in a world full of that right now. And when you die to sin and live in Christ, there's a beautiful place right in the middle, full of love and grace and mercy, that you live with truth and grace, and that's how we mature as believers in Jesus Christ. And we'll see that today. So Paul, Paul hits them with this. He says, shall we... So what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? And verse 2 here, he says, by no means. By no means. This Greek word is used 14 times in the New Testament. It's 10 times alone in the book of Romans by Paul. It has many definitions. I just want to read some of them to you so you get the real full feel. Is this is very strong language. It's like, listen up. By no means. Absolutely not. He wants to make sure they hear him that uh, this is not the truth, this is not the case. Uh, we also see it, may it never be, certainly not. Now, you know, just think about this for a minute, brothers and sisters. Paul grew up, I want you to picture this, why he understood grace and truth and why he understood why it was so important to bring this into the church. Paul grew up in legalism. Paul was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He lived by the law, by the letter of the law. He looked at Gentiles as nothing but dirty dogs. That's how he saw Gentiles. It's in the Scripture. That's what he says about them. And and you know what? What was he doing when he got saved? He was heading off to Damascus because he was persecuting Christians. Do you see that? That was a man full of legalism. He he thought Jesus was a false prophet, and he was pursuing all the followers of Christ to imprison them and even kill them. So he knew what it was like to be a legalist. But you see, on the road to Damascus, who did he meet? He met Jesus Christ. And it wasn't through anything Paul had done. He was actually killing Christians at the time. He met Jesus. Jesus called him by name, and he saved him. You get that? What would he say? He was saved by grace alone through faith alone. There was nothing he did. In fact, what he was doing was awful. But on that road to Damascus, Paul right there, full of sin, was saved by Jesus Christ. 
Amen, Bob, right? So he understood the grace of God. He said, well, you know, I deserve death and eternal punishment. He understood that truth more than maybe we do. But in that death and deserving death and eternal punishment, Jesus meets him on the road and Jesus saves him there. So you see, Paul knew how important it was that we understand this balance of grace and truth. So he, he wants to make sure they hear it. So he says, by no means. And he says here that we are those who have died to sin. How can we live it in any longer? Now listen, listen to this. If you look at it, it says, we are those who have died to sin. What does that tell us? That's a past tense, is it not? It's a completed action. We have died to sin. But then look at the second part. It says, how can we live in it any longer? That's a present tense. That's a current action. So if we have died to sin, how come we're still living in sin? Do you see that? I love Eugene Peterson's translation here, the message, uh, how he trans- translates this verse. Listen to this. It says, if we left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house? How can we still live in our old house? Or did you not realize we packed up and left there for good? See, and a lot of Christians don't realize that truth. They, they've left the sovereignty of sin in their life, which we're going to talk about this morning, but they choose to act like they're still living in their old neighborhood. And they don't live in that old neighborhood anymore. Sin is no longer sovereign in their life. Do you see that? That's the truth he's talking about here. Died to sin. Now, brothers and sisters, if you're sitting here and you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, a supernatural work happened at your life at the moment of salvation. And you became dead to sin. Now here's the problem. Do you still sin? I'm not the only one, am I? Okay, I just want to make sure I'm in the right place here. This is the house of sinners. So we, so we still sin, but here's the, here's the truth, and that's the confusing part. And by the end of the day, we're going to clarify that. And I'm going to give you a truth. I'm telling you, it's going to set you free like you've never been set free before. But the problem is we still sin, so we don't necessarily embrace the truth that we're dead to sin. But here it is. At the moment of our salvation, we died to sin. Our relationship with sin was changed forever. That's the key thing you have to understand. It's our relationship to sin was changed forever. All the penalty of our sins, past, present, and future, the sins you haven't even committed yet, were paid for through the blood of Jesus Christ. Your penalty, your full penalty of sin was paid for. Now what I see with a lot of Christians is they get saved and then they sin and then they're trying to take that penalty on themselves after they've been born again. That penalty is not yours to hold. You can't pay for it anyway. So you've got to let go of that penalty and, and entrust what Jesus has already done through the finished work on the cross. So that's one way your, your relationship changed. The second way your relationship changed is sin has no power in your life. See, before Christ, the devil could, through his demons, he could call us out, and we had to say, yes, sir. But after we're born again, that power is no longer there. That power of sin in our life is not dominant. Our relationship to sin has changed. Now let me tell you, the master continues to call us. The old master continues to call us. And sometimes we answer, but I'm telling you, we don't have to anymore because that was dead and buried on the day we were saved. Do you believe that? So uh, that's what it means that we died to sin is our relationship to sin was changed forever at the moment we were saved. 
Let's look at verse 3. He explains it to us. It gets clearer and clearer. Just stay with me. Don't check out. and Don't just stay because this is too important to, to not pay attention today. Uh, verse 3, it says, or, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? This Greek word for baptism is used two ways in the Scripture. It's used as a Holy Spirit baptism, a new believer, and it's, it's used as a water baptism of immersion for, for someone that has surrendered life to Christ. And so what do you, hear me on this, what he's saying is that if you were baptized, if you were saved, you know that this is true. You know that something supernatural happened in your life because at that moment of salvation, you, for the first time, you realized your sinfulness, you confessed and repented, and you became a new creation. You were born again. So he goes, you know that for you to become a new person, the old person had to die. Right? You with me on this? You picturing this? And, and so he uses the Holy Spirit baptism as a picture, but he also uses, the, he, goes, and he goes, and by the way, you were baptized in water, and don't you remember, that was symbolic. We took you, the old man, old woman, we dipped you under the water as a, as a death and burial, and we pulled you out as a new creation. He goes, that's what all that stuff means. That's the symbol of what happened at the moment of your salvation. I'm going to come hard and fast today, so hang on. We're going to get through this. Look at these verses up here for a second, just as kind of supporting. Uh, John 1.33, John the Baptist said, And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man you see the Spirit come down on and remain is the one who will baptize you with what? That's, that's, the, that's the baptism of salvation. Uh, does water baptism save anybody? No. It's an outward symbol of an inward truth. It's just, it's just a... It's just showing the world that who we belong to. Otherwise, if baptism saved anybody, everybody would be getting baptized. And guess what that would be? That would be a works-based salvation. And anyone that saved, though, it didn't come through baptism. We got baptized afterwards. In fact, I, didn't get, I went all the way through seminary. I didn't know about water baptism. I didn't get baptized for 15 years after I was saved because I didn't know I was supposed to. But I guarantee I was saved. So here, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, for we were all baptized by one spirit as to form one body. And one last one here, just look at this, Galatians 3, 27. For all you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. Now, hang on to that truth because I'm going to kind of work that out here in, in the text. But the reality is something dramatically happened at the moment of our salvation. And I love that picture is that we're even, we know the Holy Spirit comes to live within us. But it says we were clothed with Christ Jesus. Do you see that in the last verse? Clothed with Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, if you're born again, you're surrounded. Jesus is in you and around you. you, you you're a whole new man or woman in Christ if you've been saved. And I'll talk about what, what this means from relation to sin. Okay, let's move on to verses 4 and 5. It, it says here that we therefore... We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may, may live a new life. May is a big word there. For, for if we have been united with him in his death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like this. So, I want you to see this is that as Jesus hung on the cross, the sins of the world 
were poured into Christ Jesus. You with me on this? The sins of the world, all the sins of yours, mine, and everybody's sins of the world, past, present, future, were poured into our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Then he took those sins of the world, he died, and he was buried. And in that burial, the sins of the world were condemned. Do you picture that? The sins of the world were condemned. They were forever dealt with. It's so important you picture that, that they were condemned. You know, just think about this in your own life. I don't know what you're struggling with. I mean, we all sin. Some of us have struggles with certain sins over others. But the reality at death, you will be free from that temptation, will you not? You'll be free from that temptation because... For believers, of course, we're in glory with God, but the reality is even for the unbeliever, there's no longer this flesh. The lust of the flesh, the lust of life, the pride of life, the lust of the eyes are gone. You can't smell them. You can't see them. You can't dream about these fantasies anymore. All those things are gone when we physically die. I want you to see that Jesus took the sins of the world. He was buried, and all the sins were condemned in his death. Condemned. They were dealt with. Not just the penalty, but the power. You see? Because they're dead. Just like they'd be dead in you if you were dead, they were dead through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and they were buried. And then he rose again. Amen? He rose again. And so the death and burial was the victory over sin. The resurrection was the victory over death. Because if he set rose, it says that we will rise too to be with him. And let me tell you this. If sin and death were defeated through his death, burial, and resurrection, guess who else was defeated in that? Satan and the demons. Now they're still floating around, yeah, but they're dead. It's done. Just a matter of time. Just like we're going to be in glory, we're not there yet, but we're, we're going to be in glory. We're going to be glorified bodies. We know it in the depths of anyone that's a believer here. We know that's what's coming for us. And guess what? The demons know it too. It's very clear in Scripture. When, de- when Jesus ran into them, they're like, oh no, it's not the day of judgment yet, is it? So that's what it says here. Now, so, you know, when you, when you, let me just stay with me here. I just want to show these verses. I mean, we know these verses well, but sometimes we don't see the depth of what they mean when it comes dead to sin and alive in Christ. So just look, I'm going to go over these real quick. Just look up here for a minute, if you would, please. John 3, 3, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away before the new has come. Behold, the new has come. Ezekiel 36, 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. One last one here, Revelation 2.17. The one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give this person a white stone with what on it? A new name written on it. You see, brothers and sisters, that when we, when we were saved, I pray you all were saved. If you're not, what are you waiting for? Get in the family. But for all those that are saved, we died to sin and we're alive in Christ. See, now, we were prisoners, weren't we? Anybody else a prisoner? I was a prisoner. I was a slave to sin. Amen. I was a slave to sin. And, and so, but see, the, just to picture this, say we're prisoners of war and the, the good guys win and 
and all the prisoners that are trapped in all these prisons are set free, right? But that's not what God did. You see, yeah, he set us free from the prison, but he did so much more than that. Because he, he, we were born again. We became new creations. He gave us a new heart and a new mind. He even gave us a new name. He did, they just didn't open the gates from the prisons of hell. He embraced us with this whole new life in Christ Jesus. Isn't that unbelievable? And if you're sitting here, you're born again, you know you're a new creation person in Christ. That's what it means to die to sin and to live in Christ. So when you read verses like this, you have to, all those truths have to come into your mind about who you are now. Look what he says next here. Just to, oh, we're doing fine on time. We're doing good. Look at this next verse. Uh, verse 6 says, For we know that the old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free uh, from sin. You know, it's painful to watch the world, isn't it? I mean, I, I just watch the world and how they try to deal with sin. Did you ever watch that? I mean, it's, it's a hard thing. I mean, they, they go to self-help meetings and they, they uh, go meet with a psychiatrist and some of them get on medications. And You know, when you look at their lives, they're all just trying to deal with the reality of sin in their lives. They're trying to medicate it. They're trying to counsel it out. They're trying to have accountability to help them through it. But there's only one way to get free from sin, and that's through death. Death to sin and alive in Christ. They're never really free. They're always in turmoil. And don't get me wrong, I've had family members. My uncle, my brother, my uncle was stuck in that. and uh, They're still in torment. They may not be embracing the sinful patterns of their life, but they're never really free, are they? There's no freedom in that. So we must crucify the old self to be truly free. Okay, let's move to the next one. i got more to say, but the Spirit's shutting me down there. So look at this next section here. It says, now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has master over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. In the life he lives, he lives to God. So, I mean, the thing I want, the point, main point I want to make here is that was this a temporal situation for us? In other words, is this a temporary condition we're in? No, it's eternal. It's an eternal condition. He died once and rose from the dead and forever defeated death. He also died to sin and sin forever condemned. Sin has been judged and sentenced and there is not hope of sin to survive. That's the point. Do you see that? Do, 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 do you realize that the, the, the war has already been won? We're just working through our salvation with fear and trembling. We're bringing the gospel to a lost world. But it's over. It's over. That should encourage you, brothers and sisters. It's really over. The VE day hasn't come yet, but the VE day has been announced from heaven. When God announces something, it's done. Yeah. So, 
So we have these great truths here, and, and here's the burden of my heart. We'll get to application here now, these next part of the verse, which is, so you're telling me I'm dead to sin and alive in Christ, but I, I'm not feeling that. I don't feel like I'm living that freedom you're talking about. I still feel like I'm in the battle. I don't always feel like I'm victorious in Christ. I feel like I keep getting in that cell that I was in so many years ago. I end up back in that cell of slavery to sin. And the verse comes next with some unbelievable application truths to tell us how to live in this freedom. Do you want that? Do you want that freedom? Okay, let's look at it. Three points. In your bulletin, I've got it as count, courage, and confidence. So the first one is, is verse 11 here. It says, in the same way, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now, it's important, this word count is take into account, uh, to claim, to hold, to realize, to regard, all these things that you're dead to sin, and, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I've got to tell you this, this, does, this is not a result of positive thinking. This is not about emotions. That's not what it's talking about here. Count means to believe and live as though it was true. Do you got that? That's what it really means. And why do we believe it? Because God said we're dead to sin and alive to Christ. Do you see that? So when God says something, it's true. You know, here's one. We don't always like talking about some of the prosperity preachers out there about naming and claiming, right? Because if you look at that gospel, it's a man-focused gospel about naming and claiming things for me so my life will be better. Well, here's one you can name and claim. You're dead to sin and alive to Christ Jesus. You can name and claim that one. Because that is true. God said it. I'm trying to think of another way to explain this to you. It's so important. But uh, So we'll, I'll come back to it. But just I want you to hear right now that it's counted means to, to believe you're truly dead in sin. And let, let, I'll show you this. Is when you believe it, you're, are you going to still be tempted in this world? Yeah, you're going to be tempted. But see, at that point, you have to go back, you have to, this has to be living inside you, deep inside of you, that you're dead to sin and alive in Christ. You, you're in a different relationship with sin. It doesn't have power over you. You don't need to answer the call anymore. And, and, and so you believe it. So when temptation comes, I go back to the truth. Hey, I'm dead to that. Satan and you demons, I, you have no power over me anymore. I'm not giving in to that temptation because I'm dead to sin and I'm alive in Christ Jesus and the power of God lives within me. Does that make sense? So, I mean, you have to remind yourself because the devil's very, very deceiving and he's going to come up and try to convince you you're not dead to sin and the pleasure of sins. So that's what it means, count. In the depths of your soul, you believe it. Okay, look at this next one here. Uh, 12 and 13, just two more points and we'll finish here. But it says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God 
as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. So look at this. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Do you see the comparison there? So we're going to get to Romans 12, 1 and 2 in a year or so, but we'll, we'll get there. But I did give you that as a memory verse. It's such an important verse, which says that, you know, we're no longer to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing our mind, and we're to become what? Living sacrifices. That's exactly what these verses are talking about. We're supposed to become living sacrifices. So what is every part that we're supposed to offer to God as acts of righteousness? Our minds, our eyes, our ears, our, our smell, our mouths, our words, our deeds, our activities. Every part of our body and mind has to be given to God as an act of sacrifice. See, that, that, that's how you know you're dead to sin. You say, I'm dead to sin and alive to Christ. Okay, you're alive to Christ. Start living for Christ. And so the way it looks like every day you get up and you're praying and you're in the Word and you're being very careful of what you look at, what you listen to, who you associate with. Let me tell you this. Are you weighing every word that comes out of your mouth? Are your words of edification and encouragement or are you ripping people? Are you criticizing people? Are you joking harshly about people that's not god honoring i'm guilty of it i'm not i'm not some super saint up here i'm guilty of it but i'm telling you i'm conscious of the reality is i have to weigh my words i have to be careful in what i say so when i meet with anybody i got to pull myself out of it and say words that encourage people and and edify our lord and savior jesus christ the other thing is our dreams and desires do we need to give those to god amen we do those are his you know, I can tell you what happens. I, I have dreams and desires and plans, and it's, I'm setting myself up to be discouraged. Are you with me on this? Even about our little fellowship here. I can sit and dream about what I'd love this church to be someday, but the reality is I have to let go of all of that. It's God's church. Will I show up if there's only two of you sitting in the pews? I will show up if there's only two of you sitting in the pews. You better be taking notes, though. But the, the reality is because it's not about my dreams or my desires, it's about living a sacrificial life for him. And brothers and sisters, that's what you need to do too. You want to be dead to sin? You've got to replace that dead life with a living life, and that living life is a living sacrifice for Jesus Christ. Okay, one more. This is a really important one too. Okay, brother. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. Verse 14 is confidence. So we have count, count ourselves dead to sin and alive to Christ. Courage, living a new life for Jesus Christ, submitting every part of our body as uh, tools of righteousness. And the third one is confidence. Now look at this verse. It really ties into what Ian was saying with his testimony today. But it says, for, for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. Oh, this is so good. So many Christians don't get this. Do you see this? I talk to brothers and sisters all the time. See, 
Our gospel is not a gospel of law, it's a gospel of grace. Here's the deal here. What it says here in this verse, if you shall no longer be, sin shall no longer be your master, and how is it your master in this verse? If we're under the law. Do you see that? So here's what happens. Picture this. I'll try to give you an analogy here. So I'm a born-again believer, and I've been forgiven for my sins, and the Holy Spirit's come to live in my life, and, and then all of a sudden, I sin. You picture in this? I sin. And this sin overwhelms me. Are you with this? You picture this? It overwhelms me. I am covered with guilt and remorse, and I'm carrying this around. Can you picture this? I'm carrying this around with me, this guilt and remorse, and... and uh, you know, should I be convicted by my sins? Amen, I should be convicted. And I should confess and repent. But I, I sin, I conf, I'm convicted by the Holy Spirit, I confess and repent, and I'm restored. Do you see the gospel of grace? But I see a lot of Christians trying to deal with their own sin after they've been saved. That's crazy. And guess what? If you're walking around in self-pity and self-focus trying to deal with your own sins, you are completely ineffective and unproductive for our Lord. That's not where he wants you to live. He wants you to realize you sinned, he wants you to confess and repent, and he wants to get you back in the game. Do you see that? He has more divine appointments in that day. You know what? I have sinned in one hour, and the next hour after confessing and repenting, God had a divine appointment for me because I was back. God is sorry. I'm, I'm truly guilty. Don't get me wrong. So I don't take it lightly. I, don't want, I didn't want to sin, and I did, and I was heartbroken over it, but I'm back in the game. I'm back, Lord. I'm restored, I'm reconciled, and I'm ready to be used again. Do you see that? That's the gospel of grace. You can't pay for your sins. Why are you carrying them around? If you're a believer, give them to Jesus, confess and repent, and start living that victorious life. I'm telling you, these truths will set you free in ways you've never been freed before. Do you see that? You, you, you don't have to respond to your old master. You're dead to sin and alive in Christ. And I'd say your biggest challenge for most believers isn't the fact that they're dead to sin, but they haven't replaced that life by living in Christ, living that sacrificial life for him. I, I just tell you, I meet many Christians that are still very self-focused. It's not about you. It's about him. So... Even when they're sinning, they're saying they're guilty towards God, but really it's a self-focused guilt. It's not a guilt towards God. It's a guilt towards their own depravity. So, count courage and confidence. I pray that sets you free. Let me close with this. In this new life, in this new life, our motivation is love. Our motivation is love for God and love for others. Our power is the Holy Spirit. It's not a flesh power. And our guide is the living word of God. That's how you live that life. Anything else? <laughs> Let's pray. Father in heaven, how can we ever begin to thank you for what was purchased for us on that cross? That we were actually dead and buried crucified, dead, and buried with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but we also were raised from the dead into this new life. I pray for each one of these dear brothers and sisters that they grab a hold of this, that they would live that victorious life. I see so many, Lord, that breaks my heart that are living between heaven and earth. Those are truly the homeless people. 
they don't belong on earth and they haven't embraced the realities of heaven. So I pray for them, Lord. I pray you take these truths, drive it deep within us, change us all, Lord, change me, change them, and help us to start living the life you want us to live. For your glory, for your honor, in Jesus' name.